Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Zar and I'm your host. Today we have painter, illustrator, Eric Fortune. Eric Fortune is uh, a really talented artist and uh, we go way back showing together. He's got a really interesting story about his experience in the gallery world and um, yeah, it's great. Super, super cool guy. And I, I've, I've loved his work since I first saw it. So I've been wanting to hit him up for a while to come on and I'm excited to finally have him on. So great interview there coming up. Uh, what's been up with me? I have been finishing study commissions. I have been working on mystery box stuff because mystery boxes are coming up. It's that time of the year. So um, got some really cool stuff I'm really excited about the mystery boxes this year i'm having some stuff made for especially for the boxes and um i'm not going to tell you what they are but they are super cool so those will be going sale going on sale probably black friday cyber monday whatever whenever that is after thanksgiving um unless you're on your pay on my patreon i'll probably i usually release things early on my patreon if you want to join my patreon you can go to patreon.com slash chetzard for only a dollar a month you get access to all of my new releases before anybody else you get to see everything i'm working on before ever, all of their social media it's really a good deal um also if you want to support this podcast go to dark art society uh, patreon.com slash dark art society and join for as little as a dollar and this is how we keep the podcast going is through your support so I appreciate everybody who at least throws a buck in a month. Um, that's why I'm able to keep doing it. I'm right at the limit. I'm right at the limit. Because <laughs> compared to the time I put in to make these podcasts, financially, it's just barely worth it. It's not bringing in that much money. But it's just barely enough to make it worth it. And... Um, I have to say the reason, the the biggest reason I'm doing it, I, I, I've always, I've said this many times on the podcast, everything I do has to make money because I live in this stupid society where that's the case. But, um, but so if it wasn't making any money, I couldn't, couldn't do it. But, um, I, 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 the, the pot, the, you know, this podcast, I'm always complaining. It's not as big as it should be. I think it's so good. I think the interviews and artists that come on are so interesting, especially when you compare them to like mainstream podcasts of just celebrity interviews and influencers. I just, you know, I'm just out of step with, with the rest of the world, I guess. Probably all of us who listen are, but I just feel like more people should be hearing this podcast. So I really want to grow it for that reason. Um, and the reason I keep doing it is because I hear all the time how important this podcast is to people, just you know, mainly artists that are trying to um, make it in the art scene and just like to hear other, other, other artists' experience. And um, so I... It would be easier for me to stop, but uh, I could probably make more money if I stopped doing the podcast and put it towards 
commission work or, or stuff like that. But I, I know that the podcast people, people who do listen to the podcast love it. So that's kind of the thing that pushes me over the edge. It makes me keep doing it every week. So I had kind of a moment about a week ago where I'm like, I just, I just gotta stop doing this. It's take, it takes up too much time every single week. And, uh, but I'm not giving up. I'm just not going to give giving up, especially the, the, the worst things get in the world. The more of this kind of content is needed. I think, I think people need it more than ever. And so I'm not going to let the bastards win. Fuck them. Anyway, if you can support, I would appreciate it. We are also supported by Skull Shop, S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E. That's one of their skulls. And uh, the way they support is they offer a 20% off coupon to any of their human replica skulls to anybody who joins at the $5 and above level. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, they're great. Their skulls are great. Uh, what else? What else? Um... I think that's it, man. Oh, and if you join the Dark Art Society Patreon, you get your name read on the podcast. And this week we have Sky Quack. Thank you. Chris Willits. Thank you. Joseph Arsenault. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're making it happen. Okay, let's get on with the uh, interview because it's really great, really fun, really good. And uh, here we go with Eric Fortune. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Eric. Hey, <laughs> what's up, Chet? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, dude. It's uh, yeah, it's an honor, man. I'm I've been a fan of your work for a while, so it's it's awesome to be here. Oh, I appreciate it. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. In fact, I remember when you came onto the the gallery scene, you were like this mysterious, like elite artist, and everyone was like wondering about you because, <laughs> like, all of a sudden you you you're you're showing, and you're in magazines and spectrum and you're doing this like super high quality work everyone's like super impressed with and but nobody we didn't know anything about you at least like my circle in la and um you just seemed like this like an elite guy like an elite artist and so it was always kind of you know like i don't know <laughs> you're you're <laughs> up, up above kind of in a way that's it's funny to hear that because like I've always felt like I was on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like it's just been <laughs> yeah, it's constantly like... struggling to like try and make decent work. And then on top of trying to make decent work, like trying to just make a living as an artist, you yeah. know, which is, is, you know, super challenging. I mean, it, it has been for me at least. Oh, yeah. And I talk about it every every podcast. I complain about it pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, so I mean that's <laughs> that's awesome to hear. Yeah. But um 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Became my mystery. <laughs> it's funny because uh, you know that you we have perceptions of each other as peers, and you know if you don't know the person, you just kind of judge them by their artwork. And so you know, it's just like <laughs> I still do that. I'm like, I bet they're rich. They're <laughs> yeah, fucking. Totally. Oh, sorry, I don't know if we can curse on yes, here. Yes, we can curse. We curse all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I just everyone's living their best life except me. Right. <laughs> They got so many and nowadays it's like oh they got so many followers you know what the hell yeah yeah i mean we i had brahm on the podcast and nice. which, was, which was huge for me because i'm such a huge brahm fan and it, it yeah, was the same sure. way you know brahm is like yeah. one of the reasons i started painting is seeing his his uh books his, his original those books he came out with in the 90s and um he had the same feelings like you're talking about. Like, he, you know, he was really, uh, I got to have him on again. Cause now, now that we're doing video, I'd love to have him on, but cause he was just on the audio podcast. It was years ago. And, um, and he was talking about oh, same insecurities that we have, you know, the same thing. And it's like, Brom, even if Brom feels this way, then we're all just, screwed. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is just, this is just part of being an artist. It has nothing to do with how big you get or whatever, you know? yeah for sure for me <laughs> yeah it's just that's one thing you know i've interviewed it's where it, this is going to be episode 301 and not every episode has been an interview but the vast majority have been so hundreds of artists i've interviewed on here and it's always the same story always everyone it's it's funny because um when i first started to become familiar with um the people in the gallery scene it seemed like a, a bunch of them were on the west coast um mm -hmm. at the time it wasn't facebook yet it was myspace, MySpace yeah. <laughs> and so i specifically remember seeing like um people like you and like um lori early like mm, i love yeah. her work yeah and i was just like okay they're not they're not doing publishing because i didn't know about like the whole kind of like pop surreal lowbrow gallery scene at all and i was like seeing you know being introduced to all this work and um just like these like awesome paintings and i was like what's going on like how do you become a part of that like <laughs> what's going on over there but i specifically remember um seeing your work as well and just being like i want to do that that looks <laughs> awesome like because um it's so cool to be honest like when i was in art school like my dream was to like become um an illustrator and do like sci-fi fantasy book covers mm -hmm. and i had this vision in my head like i'm going to be 93 and um you know npr is going to do this you know, cover it's like oh illustrator eric fortune dies at easel you know with a paintbrush <laughs> in his hand and you're working on yet like another book cover <laughs> and then like um, and not to dog um, publishing in any way at all, because um, I had like really a lot of like great experiences um, doing that type of work. But ultimately, you know, I became kind of disillusioned and I wasn't um, just wasn't it wasn't fulfilling enough for me. And I wasn't having enough time to kind of do those personal pieces that it looked like everyone in the gallery scene were like doing these really cool interesting pieces that you could tell there wasn't um 
an art director or an editor or some mm. dude in marketing who is just going ch- change this, tweak that. We can't yeah. have that. This like is, there's young kids, yeah. you know, it's like you come up with this idea and, you know, maybe it's good or bad or whatever. And, um, but then, you know, it gets chiseled away at, and then you do the best of your ability to like bring that to life, but it's, it's never quite like your own, just your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is the story of my life in makeup effects. This is exactly yeah. the story. It's like, you know, you 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 uh, just are constantly dealing with that comp- that kind of compromise over and over. And it's you know, it's one thing when you've got a great art director that you jive with, and you're like, sure. and you and you're working together to make something better. But yeah. you know, in Hollywood especially, that's so often not the case. And mm. more more often than not, it's you know, make the design more safer, you know, make the creature look appealing to nine-year-old boys. This is our target demographic or whatever. You know, I've gotten these notes that are just so stupid and when that happens enough. And then you're, you're fighting, you're fighting for your idea. You're like, I know this is better than what you want me to do. And then you find yourself fighting to, to make their project better and they're making you make it worse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, why am I doing this? This makes me feel like I'm crazy or stupid. You know what I mean? So I completely relate to you. So, uh, yeah. T- uh, tell me about your, your, I, I know nothing about you other than your art and your name is Eric fortune. And, uh, so <laughs> let's hear the, let's hear the story of your, uh, how you got into art and, uh, <clears throat> going to school and all that and how you wound up where you are today. Just before we get yeah, to the other um, stuff, you know, just kind of over long, long walks on the beach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think my story is very similar to most of the other artists I know. It's like you started drawing, drawing in uh, first, second grade, loved it, mm. never stopped doing it, even though, like, <clears throat> I think I took maybe a year and a half or two years off when I was in. Um, like junior high because it was like okay eric what are you going to do with all these drawings you know it's like you got to focus on your your homework and all this other stuff so like seventh or eighth grade i think i i wasn't drawing that much just like on the margins of like my notebook paper (laughs) Uh, but thankfully i mean Personally, I, I just feel like there are so many people who intervened in my life that um, kind of steered me in a direction that put me where I'm at today. And, and without that, I, I totally wouldn't be an artist. Um, cool. you know, yeah, for example, my my grade school art teacher, Miss um, Cheney, rest in peace. Uh, she was so encouraging. Um, and um, then my high school teacher, she ended up, um really helping me a lot because she had gone to the same art, art school I went to and she was like I know what their freshman year program is like and I know what the portfolio review is looking for so just do this 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 and this and I'll help you build this portfolio and you know I ended up getting like a decent um scholarship oh, wow. but I I had you know I was completely clueless so if I didn't have that, guidance like i was thinking the closest thing that i could think of um because i didn't know any 
professional artist growing up. Right. Um, maybe I'll get into like architecture because it seems kind of designy. Like <laughs> I had no idea what the options were. Right. And I only applied to one school. So if like I wasn't getting into um I went to the Columbus College of Art and Design. If I didn't get in there, like I didn't know what I was gonna do. So but, so you were born yeah. in Ohio? This is where you yeah. grew up? Okay. So you're totally yeah. cut off from any of the entertainment centers of the world. I knew I I know nothing about that stuff um at all growing up. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. But Devo is from Ohio, so you, you got that going for you. You know Devo? Devo, Devo the band. Oh, not that much really. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> well, Devo is amazing. Devo is amazing. All right. Well, I'm telling said, you. I'm telling I'm, you. I'm actually going to write it down right I'm now. I'm a huge fan, and they are. Uh, they they often get passed off as like a, a novelty band, but they weren't. They were like an art art rock band. Anyway. Oh yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll steer you in the right direction because they have cool. they have a few clinkers in there, but their first <laughs> I think four or five albums are just like masterpieces, totally amazing. Okay, sorry for that, but that's whenever I think no, that's I'm cool. such a fan. I, Every time I hear Ohio, I'm like Devo's from Ohio. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I grew up listening to like hip hop mostly. Like I remember LL Cool J coming out when mm -hmm. I was in like second grade, <laughs> and um, I was hooked. <laughs> there, you know, there, there is. Uh, uh, I know that Devo was 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 fans of hip hop music, so there is there's mm -hmm. a lot of synthesizer and stuff like that. So there's crossover there. I think I think you can be a hip hop fan and a Devo fan, but anyway. Yeah, I, I definitely like, <laughs> oh yeah, anyways, <laughs> it's back the music to, podcast. Back, back to your life story. Uh, okay, I just wanted to make it make the point that you were in Ohio and yeah. you had one option, which is to get into school. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, um, man, it's been a while. Um, yeah, art school, did well, got out, was super freaked out because, you know, um, I don't know. I'm I'm 47, so like maybe we're like a little bit older. And mm -hmm. back in the day, it was kind of like, um, you know, like what company are you going to work for full time? Yeah. And I, you know, again, I didn't know any professional illustrators. I didn't know any freelancers. And what we learned about it in college was like, you know, looking back, kind of minimal. So it was like pretty scary graduating. You're like okay, cool. I got to start paying loans back in six months. And I don't know, <laughs> you know, anyone graduating uh, college, I mean, back in the day, at least like, you know, you can tell the work is it's good. It's not professional yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just super freaked out. But um, I would love ended to see your working. college work. I bet your college work was really good. Some of it. Well, you know, like I, um, I, spectrum you know spectrum the uh the fantasy yeah. annual book um they when they were getting started earlier on they had one edition where they took college um entries and they had like just a college section and they only you know took like uh published three pieces and one of my pieces got in so that was kind of like one, an which early, one is it early win Oh shit! I'd have to what, describe have to it because because it's 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 like posted on your socials and stuff. I'm sure I've seen it. If it's um, if it's been in Spectrum, because I think that's where I first found you was in Spectrum. 
Um, the image is uh, some weird alien, spiky-haired alien uh, chick who's like sitting uh, on like a wooden post. She's kind of like chained to it. And it's kind of like a Michael Whalen-esque okay. uh, scene. So you get to like strong foreground and yeah, then there's I this okay, I, I can't, background. I can't, I can't think of it. Maybe I haven't seen it. Is it on your Instagram? No, I, okay. I hadn't posted that piece. Well, you know, I was probably like a, a sophomore or, or yeah, junior when I made that piece. Just for my own so just for I'm my, not proud of it. <laughs> te text, text me a picture of it when we're done. Just for my own personal. <laughs> I want to see. Sure. I, I want to see. Because I bet you it was really good. Well, you know, I wasn't using photo reference at the time. Okay. So it was kind of like I was doing the best I could <laughs> with what I could do in my head. So I, I, I get it. I'm just so curious. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and um, so. yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. But I will say this. That is uh, one of the things I learned in college that really made a huge difference in my work was um, I went from making everything up out of my head mm -hmm. to taking my own personal photo reference. And um, it was rough in the beginning because <laughs> I bought a 33 millimeter camera and I had no idea how to use it. So I'm like taking shots and then going to court camera to get it developed. Cause that's what you did back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I'd pick up three days later and like 80% of them were just black. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> and I always wanted to take like photo 101, you know, like in college, yeah. but like my schedule just didn't work out. So you figure out the app stops you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. I still was, don't understand. A bunch of wasted money. Um, <laughs> yeah. People take it for granted. Developing camera phones, man. It's like. It's so easy. It's so easy, <laughs> but back in the day, you had to wait a week to get your film developed. And yeah, that stuff. I mean, I was even using like Polaroid cameras, and I would like tape over the flash so I could try and get my own lighting, oh, but then wow. it would come out super grainy. But it was like <laughs> you'd have this like general sense of lighting, and right, yeah, rough. Yeah. <laughs> but once I started getting proper um, photo reference, like yeah, it it made a huge a huge deal in my work. Um, yeah, and I. I feel like that's one of the things I say often when I like, maybe I'll post like a, a process post um, with one of my pieces. And it's like thumbnail sketch, refined drawing, photo reference. Mm -hmm. And I always let people know if like they're beginners or whatever, like go get your own photo reference. It's really worth it. Oh, yeah. Grab your, grab your family, grab your friend, yeah. pose for it yourself. If you have to like, just get some good information. Yeah. Yeah. Basically especially with the kind of stuff that you do, which is always like a weird angle or like up above coming down. Like you, you never yeah. do. I mean, this is why a lot of th these are, I mean, this one over here is kind of one of my own. This is like a movie commission thing, but uh, mm. you know, this is why when I do my monsters, part of the reason I settled on just portraiture is like, I can make that up out of my head. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I, because I was a sculptor for so long and I've been drawing all my yeah. life. So I, I was able to do that, but you know, I couldn't do I couldn't do like one of your paintings without reference. I can barely do one of my paintings. It's <laughs> but I mean but That's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're gonna get into that because I am really dying to know your your technique. But um yeah, just it's the the kind of work that you do you have to have reference. I don't, you know, maybe like 
Maybe some super genius like Frazetta wouldn't need reference or something. He was kind of like a weird yeah. anomaly yeah, like I'm that. Not that but, yeah, <laughs> but man, no, there's no way. There's no way. Because uh, that's what's one of the things of, of the many things that's so impressive about your work is that, you know, you've got these you've got these strange angles and weird positions and they're just super dynamic and uh yeah, it's just it's uh, it's so you too. It really looks like your work. It's really really great. I love it. Love your work. It's amazing. Thanks. Um, yeah, like I used to draw all the time, like high school, um, college. I'll be like just out of my head, and I I just don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, like when you see my refined sketch to final drawing after my photo reference like that's when you realize how bad i am at anatomy <laughs> like, <laughs> the upper body's at this angle the, the lower body's at this right. other angle <laughs> nothing makes sense and i think that's part of the struggle for me because like i'm in my head i have this vision and so i, I do my thumbnail sketch and it's really you know it's like chicken scratch mm -hmm. but i'm like that's what i want like that's the basic energy that i want so i, I try to maintain as much of that as possible but then that requires me to like take up a, a bunch of photo reference and like frankenstein it together yeah. in, a, in a way that like just is physically impossible but it has to feel like it makes sense yeah it has to and, feel natural okay yeah I, i'm i'm always a struggle yeah i'm dying to get into this stuff but let's let's finish up with your your story because i'm i am curious how you kind of yeah. like got into illustration and the gallery scene and stuff uh, and I mean, I really want to talk about the stuff we were just talking about, but I want to kind of get this part out of the way just yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. people have a background on you. For sure. Let me see. So graduated, um, <laughs> graduated college, um, got a job at this place called Gooseberry Patch, which, you know, Gooseberry Patch, it's kind of like, we used to sell cookbooks. We They used to sell cookbooks um, <laughs> in like Cracker Barrel, okay. you know, so it was like that type of demographic like i was doing product illustrations of wreaths and uh candles that looked like apple pies <laughs> and wood carved americana you know flag thingies and like it was that and i did that for about five years but oh, wow. um you know i poke fun at it but like great people really good experience I bet. um and also just like financial stability and healthcare. <laughs> yeah, right. A regular like, job. And like, so I was doing that Monday to Friday. And then it was like, after work or on the weekends, I'm going to try and build up my personal portfolio with personal pieces. And those are the pieces that I ended up kind of like trying to email to an art director or just share with friends. And hopefully they would share with someone they knew and mm -hmm. In order to try and get some work and um you know did that for about five years but uh eventually um one of those emails and things did pan out a bit um a guy i went to school with um i was sharing you know uh, a, a new piece and he was like hey um i'm gonna send this to my my illustrator rep and you know maybe they'll be interested um, and they were, so I ended up um, working with them for a while and doing freelance like that and then um, getting some of my own work here and there as well. Doing like book and, covers and stuff? Yeah, I started off 
<clears throat> started off small with like quarter page interior illustrations for like uh, regional magazines. And um, to be honest, I, I think that worked out for me the best because um, just throughout my career, I always, I feel like when I step up to a new level, like I always get really freaked out and I, I kind of like, I'm a little stiff. Mm. And so I, I got to kind of like do a few pieces, get comfortable, and then I'll start to loosen up and like make better work. Um, and just kind of like slowly building up some of that um, confidence, I mm -hmm. guess. Eventually, you know, you get like um, a full page interior and then you'll get a cover, right. then you'll get a book cover. And like every time I like went up to another level, I'd be like, ah, like, don't ruin this, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it's just freaking out all the time. Um, but yeah, I did that for like, I've, I've noticed a pattern in my life is it's about like every five years, something will shift. It's mm. kind of like high school, four years, college, four years, gooseberry patch, you know, my first art job for about five years. And then um, jumped into being a full-time freelancer about five years. Mm. And then um, I was at San Diego Comic-Con and I had brought like a portfolio with some of my work in it. And it was like one of those big brown paper portfolios, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like a big bag type thing. And it was mm -hmm. like, you know, several original paintings. Um, Cause I, you know, started to get to know some of the people in the industry, uh, like Dan Dos Santos, um, Gennaro Giancola, oh, yeah. like, you know, and, um, and I was from like getting accepted into like society of illustrators or something. And you're like, I did it. I'm going to go to the party in New York and try to meet people or whatever. And um, slowly, you know, made friends. So I, I brought that just to like share with, you know, people I knew in the industry. Um, and as I was showing it to uh, a friend, a guy walked by and um, he was, he saw the work and he really liked it. And he was repping a handful of other people in the gallery scene. And so I was like, Oh cool. This could like, you know, maybe this is where I like an opportunity I've been waiting for. Um, so that worked out for a while. You know, I, I took that jump. I thought maybe I'll do illustration and gallery work at the same time. So I could try and have some of that like, financial stability as I'm trying to do this other thing, but mm -hmm. like my brain just couldn't do it. I, so I, I felt like I had to just go all in on the gallery thing. Um, so I did that for several years and things, you know, um, personally, I feel like I've made, you know, probably the best work of my life during, during that time. It was the, uh, amount of freedom that I wanted, excuse me, and um, just to be able to do my own thing. And um, it, yeah, I, I feel like I made some of the best work of my life. But, you know, during that time, I was the most poor I've ever been. <laughs> it was, and um, it was really rough. Like, you know, after doing that for several years, and just this kind of like, instability of like i don't know if the work's gonna sell it really needs to sell like yeah, i got bills crazy yeah it was like so stressful um and i started to you know that kind of like chronic stress i just started to associate that with like art making in general and eventually mm -hmm. I, I reached this 
breaking point where um, I started to get really worried that um, if I don't if I don't stop now and pull back from this stress that I, I might end up um, just hating art, like just hating right. it. And, and that like really scared me. So um, I just started telling everyone, I was like, look, I'm sorry. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't plan out next year's shows. I can't, I can't do any more shows. I really, really need a break. And um, it was, it was really hard for me because um you know, hey, I, I think like letting yourself down is one thing, but like just the way I was raised, it was kind of like, you know, letting other people down, not oh, meeting yeah. your deadline, totally, like having this really strong sense of work ethic instilled. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which, it's hard you know, saying no, when, especially yeah, when people, very, galleries are yeah. like asking you to do shows and it's so it's hard to turn them down you know yeah you need to. yeah it's wondering what happened to you because you were like you were going so strong in the gallery scene and then it just seemed like you disappeared from the gallery yeah scene. i mean i i totally did i i took about five years off wow. um just to let myself heal to be honest wow. um i needed it yeah, yeah I, I really stressful man I, yeah i was on the brink like i said like if if I've always wanted to be an artist um, and maybe an illustrator, you know, whatever. And then I go to art school, I become a professional, I'm doing book covers um, and then I'm doing art stuff. And like, um, you know, feeling like I'm making the best work. Uh, now, if, if I'm not doing that any anymore, like who am I, what am I? Right. If like huge part of my identity is, art making and if i'm not making art like what am i doing in this world right. and it, it was just this crazy it took a few years for me to just kind of process that and then hmm. kind of let go and kind of like have these realizations like i'm more than an artist right you know like i have other interests i um it's not all about career it's yeah. not all about a job and status yeah and, your um, value as a human being isn't based on the art you create yeah yeah. yeah amen and like that was it took me time to really internalize that um and so um yeah that time off like i really needed it i, I think i did like one drawing and one painting throughout wow. that five years it's <laughs> crazy so what were <laughs> you even oh no, go, ahead. go ahead well what'd you do for money what were you doing for for money during that time? i um at first, I, uh, my family, um, my mom's from Vietnam, <laughs> okay. and my father, they separated when I was really young, but they met during the Vietnamese War, hmm. um, and I grew up in a small town in um, this place called Coshocton, Ohio, um, and so my mom um, ended up opening a nail salon in that town, and... I'd had my nail license on the side for a while at that point. Cause oh, really? you know, it's just like backup plan. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So if you need like a pedicure or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll pay you money. <laughs> Let me That's get awesome. my foot fetish in. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, um, 
but yeah, so I ended up like doing um doing like acrylic nails, extensions, wow. manicures, petties. Like, yeah, but um <clears throat> you know, looking back, it was like surprisingly this awesome part of my life because right. um my brother does nails and um you know, you look at nail art, it's weird. It's like a little art tangent, but like you're looking at nail art and you go, oh, that's cool. But like, I'm a professional artist, right, you know, right. I, I can do this or that, whatever. Dude, doing yeah. nail art is like fucking hard. Oh, it's a and thing. So, yeah. And it's popular now. It's like, it's like a, I don't know if it was when you were doing it, but, or back when you took that break, but man, it's like a big thing on social media now. The stuff they're doing is incredible. It's yeah, crazy, some of them are like man. sculpture now. Yep, they're but, like sculpture um, and these really all types of stuff. detailed paintings and stuff. It's like, yeah, it, it really is an art form, you know. Really, yeah. So the thing is, like, my older brother um, is like a pimp ass nail artist, and until you try to do it, you're just like, I didn't have a respect for it right. until i was trying to do it i'm like wow this is super hard oh yeah, yeah um you know not everyone paints on like a tiny canvas that's curved it's connected to a, a breathing you know moving sneezing human right right whatever. well not only that it's like i i am aware of how nails are done because in effects we used to use mm -hmm. that that monomer and that acrylic that where you yeah you know for making teeth and dentures and stuff and making nail nails for creatures so i would see you know them put the you know i would see videos of people doing it and they drip the the monomer and the acrylic powder i don't know if that's how you did it but you kind of build mm -hmm. up that yeah. powder and they're like polishing it and buffing it and it's like i i know what they're doing is hard you know i've done this yeah. making teeth before and it's not easy <laughs> it really it yeah. really takes a lot of uh, and you got this dremel and you're like yep. drilling it off this person's nail and it's like if you're not careful you could like you know drill into their bone yeah. like, <laughs> it's pretty freaky <laughs> i mean i i you know i don't have any tattoos but like i imagine um doing giving someone a tattoo I yeah. I think I'd be really freaked out if like when if I were to try and do that, just yeah. like I'm I'm going to jack this person up. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're poking their skin with a needle, you know, yeah. making permanent marks. But, but um, it, it ended up being awesome for me because um, <clears throat> I I was like spending a lot of time with my mom, yeah, and my brother, and you know they're running the shop, and it was like really laid back yeah like talk um, about going from like extreme pressure to totally low pressure to where it's like yeah. you're around people that love you and, and yeah and m money regular paycheck and you know yeah. it's like the opposite of being an artist you know? <laughs> well and um you know like well my mom passed away uh several years back mm. and so um being able to spend a lot of time with her in those you know back back then it was like yeah don't regret that oh yeah at all. absolutely it was, it was it worked out it was really nice that's great um yeah and you know just having that breather from like not feeling forced to create something when you're just not feeling it yeah yeah well that's that's but, great that you were able to to 
to do that, you know, to realize that's what you needed to do. Cause I know how hard it is to, it would be hard for me to like, I could do it. You know, I could say, okay, I got to stop for five years and do go back to effects or whatever, get kind of like a normal job, but it would be really Mm -hmm. difficult. I understand. So I understand how hard that must've been to do, but uh, yeah, it seems like it was obviously the right choice, especially you get to spend that time with your mother and your family and stuff. Cause that's like when when your parents die, it's like, that's when you realize how important family is. It's like, you know, you don't get that back. So it's like everybody out there whose parents are alive, spend time with them while you can, Amen. you know, Amen. it's a, it's a shitty way to like reprioritize your life, right. you know, and find out someone you love is sick and yep. uh, whatever. But, and that's one thing, um, not to get too much on, on a tangent, but like, like our society is obsessed with work yep. and productivity totally, man. and, uh, more and more and um grind it out man like, I, alpha bros to... what's that alpha bros grind it out just keep grinding and grinding yeah, and grinding culture man it's like yeah it's it's <laughs> i mean i used to be like that because like like i said my mom um she met my father during in the vietnam war you know in vietnam because mm. he was in the military so when she uh came to the u.s she had this insane work ethic. Yeah. Like I grew up, my mom's working at the bacon factory. She comes home, she's going into the basement. She's like sewing gloves. Wow. Um, yeah. I, part of my work history is as a kid, sewing gloves in the basement with my mom, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like typical, you know, Vietnamese sweat sweatshop type stuff. <laughs> I did it. My brothers did it. My cousins did it. It was totally wow. illegal. <laughs> hey, it's a family business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like you you just want to. You're helping the family. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I think. I mean, it sucked at the time. Yeah, you just but go I mean, and play, but yeah, but still, you know, it's that again. It's, yeah, looking back, valuable. it's like you don't regret it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like I was saying, like that type of work ethic is what I got from my mom because she was always grinding. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think at some point, like on an individual level and on a, like a societal level, it's like generations of people have worked so hard, have like innovated so much, have given us all these amazing technologies that we have today. And, what's the point of it all if not to like be a little bit more free yeah to like not have to grind i know like it's one thing when you have a passion and you want to work like 15 hours on something you absolutely absolutely love because you're into it and it's it's self-directed it's it's your own thing but if you feel like you just have to do that and it's for a boss and um, you kind of hate your job which you know which is most people that's most people don't love their jobs like at all yep and you know like that's no way to live it's it's but it's like just a a part of the culture you Mm -hmm. know and i feel like it's it's something it'll probably take us a long time to kind of break away from but um again man like at some point your parents are not going to be with you anymore and it's like it's it's a it's a weird it's a wake-up call i guess you know yeah yeah for sure 
Yeah, that's that's you know that the um I I have that that work ethic also. Uh, my my uh, grandfather was a you know, my dad was a really hard worker. My stepdad was a really hard worker. My grandfather was a really hard worker. So, I definitely have that genetically, or even just from being in that environment. Um, mm -hmm. But there's like <clears throat> there's a point where it's too far. I've been talking about this lately. It keeps coming up on the podcast, or maybe I keep bringing it up because I've been thinking about it. It's like, there's a point where it's too far. It's too hard. Like, to, you know, I've had a few shows where I felt like, I hope I don't die in my sleep. Like I was so exhausted from just like <clears throat> grinding it and pushing and pushing and pushing and not getting enough sleep. And like actually almost having a panic attack when I'm going to bed at night. Like, I hope I don't die tonight. <laughs> That's like too far. You know, you, yeah. grinding is one thing. Working hard is one thing. But when you're like to pushing yourself to the point where it's affecting your health seriously, it's like nothing matters if you don't have your health. It's like nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was so stressed out like during, you know, like I said, it was like a, it's a weird dynamic because I'm, I'm making the best work of my life. Right. And I am like just like so stressed out the entire time yeah, yeah. Um, and like i'm sure i'm like i used to have so much hair <laughs> <laughs> dude i was <laughs> like gallery scene boom. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me when i was working in effects we we started like a uh a digital department in my in the practical makeup effects shop and i was the one who knew, who knew how to do 3d animation and uh, 2d compositing and stuff and we got our first job and it was my first job on a movie it was this movie called altered this alien movie um and i i was in charge of all the digital effects and i was doing it all by myself not realizing how much work it was and i was so stressed about it that i would go out on my breaks and my hair would just be falling out I would just pull like, crazy. like, oh no, my hair's falling out. That's bad. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel you. I, you know, for me, it's like, uh, I, uh, I had to, I mean, I get des definitely get that des desperate feeling, uh, from time to time, especially when extra bills come due and you don't have the money, which is every month pretty much. But, um, yeah. <laughs> But it's like, that's, that is like this weird balance that you have to strike, you, you know, when you're creating work, if you know, as an artist doing your passion, what you love, you want to make amazing work. You want every piece to be just like amazing. That's the satisfaction yeah. is just to make this amazing piece. And so in order to make an amazing piece, you have to relax and like, get into it and get into that flow state and just like feel it. And you know, you yeah. know the feeling like when you're doing a great yeah. piece, but yeah. then you've got this pressure on top of you of like all this money that you owe or bills or whatever, or you don't have the rent or whatever. And so I, I, it, for me, it's always been like, okay, I have to separate. I somehow have to let go of worrying about it. You know, and, and so I guess meditation has helped a lot, you know, me just a, a general anxiety and stuff. I'm not saying I'm like, I have it all under control because I definitely have freakouts from time to time. But, um, 
I found that just by like trusting that I'm going to do it somehow, I, it, it allowed, I, I'm like, I have, to, I, I felt like in order to make the work to keep going, I have to go like, you know, I've been, you know, I'm 50, I'm going to be 56 this month. So I've, and I've been doing this, I've been working since I got out of high school, 18, 19 years old. So however many years that is 40 years or whatever, 35 years or whatever. I never have been out on the street. I never have lost everything. You know, I've always managed. And so I can't imagine I'm going to get this far and then just lose everything because I can't make my bills yeah. one month, you know? So, yeah. so it's like this weird Zen state I've, I've had to try and cultivate, you know? It's not mm -hmm. easy though. It's not easy. I would have rather have taken the five years off like you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so so what? So, okay. What are you? What are you doing now? Are you like kind of? Oh, well. Um, what happened after the the five years of? Yeah. Taking so I, off? I took some time off, and I was working at my family's um, nail salon for maybe a year and a half or two okay. and um a friend reached out and there was um a job opening at this place where they did like practical effects stuff and it was like for like haunts um oh no way really type stuff so, yeah so i ended up doing like you know i didn't know <laughs> it was a rough transition for me but i ended up getting into this place i won't say the name because <laughs> <laughs> i really don't like the owner oh, okay but, okay but um that's you know, cool though. I mean doing, that, yeah, that's a pretty like, cool job. Pulling molds, pouring foam, like latex Excellent. stuff, like uh now you you're know, talking my language. Eyes, monsters and zombies, yeah. animatronic stuff. Oh cool. And it was it was um it was a great job as far as like the type of work that I was doing. Aside from um, the asshole boss. <laughs> Everything but the asshole box. You know, the coworkers are super cool. Like, I met some amazing sculptors. Mm. Um, and I did that for, you know, a, about five years wow. as well. And then that, um, and, you know, and I, I will say it was nice because I, I ended up downshifting to like a, like a three-day work week. Like, they were pretty flexible. And that That's was really cool. nice. Um, yeah. And that was like... So I, I left my uh, my family's salon. I started working at this other place. And mm. then when my mom got sick, I asked for that three-day week. And so that was nice. And I, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my family. Um, and yeah, then COVID hit. So during that, you know, there was a shutdown. And then we went back for like a month and then there was another shutdown. And then the government was like, okay, we're going to help people get through this. So I get this check from the government. And I, because one of my friends was like, did you fill out, did you apply for this? He's like, you better do that. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I hate paperwork, but like right. it worked out. I got a, I got a chunk of change from that, that PPE loan thing or whatever. No, it was straight up like grant, like type you know you don't have to pay it back um oh, wow. <clears throat> but that chunk of money basically um enabled me to i renovated my studio i had this long talk with um 
with my partner about like is maybe I can start making art again. Like maybe I've had enough time off. Like um, maybe with this, I can try and be an artist again. And so like, it's been a few years of like, like trying to shake the rust off uh -huh. and make new work. And then like, well, you know, I don't think I want to do publishing as much anymore. I mean, who knows, maybe a little bit here and there if uh, the job's interesting, but <clears throat> um, you know, gallery shows, you know, would be fine as long as it's not like my main source of income. Because yeah. I kind of don't want to put myself in that position again. Yeah, you know, what? And, that's the thing. Gallery shows were never my main source of income. I was, yeah. I, cause I was selling, I've always made most of my money selling merchandise and prints and stuff for my web store and hustling that way. Well, that's where, that's see when i got into the gallery thing i was like um not pushing my stuff in that way right. and and also like i i didn't have the portfolio that was like full of like all of my favorite pieces yet because i was making them right in the gallery scene but like the my schedule while i was doing gallery work it was just so crammed um that i i didn't have enough time to kind of like really understand and and try and you know get my like a, a web store set yeah. up and like push prints marketing and, and all that's like it's that's where it's like you you are running a business it's not artistic it's a totally yeah. different part of your brain and you have to for me it was like not did not come naturally you know, I had to kind of learn marketing <laughs> just on my own. And um, and it's a separate thing. It's like a totally yeah. separate thing. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, if it was the old days, it would be like you're running a mail order business. Mm -hmm. And then you're an artist at night. It's like in the day I'm running this business, <laughs> shipping, packing, and in the nighttime I'm painting. So it's it's still this weird and trying to find joy in that. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because you are still able to make cool shit if you want and it's like yeah. that the 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 whole game becomes you know it's not just about self-expression it's about and creating art it's about self-expression and creating art and selling it and how you can sell it and make a living so it's like added it's not just the fun part it's like it adds this other layer of okay i want to make this are people going to buy this or i'm going to make this or how can i sell this to make enough money to justify the time i just spent sculpting this thing or whatever you know what i mean Which yeah drag but it's like yeah that that's what allowed me to keep creating artwork which is the ultimate goal you know because because i had gone i don't know 15 years 15 or 20 years in effects Mm -hmm. which, oh wow which used to be my dream growing up as a kid all throughout junior high and high school it was like that's it makeup effects it's totally into it man and then and then i got to that point where that we were talking about where it's you know you're getting art directed and to death yeah. and then i was like i have to get out of this because i was i got scared that i wasn't going to be able to get out of it like because i didn't have any other skills really and so once i was able to make the transition i was like i have to make this work somehow so i had to like learn about getting t-shirts printed and 
you know, selling $20 things, selling enough to yeah. make it all work out. So, and then like, ga cause gallery sales were never enough to keep me afloat ever, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like that's kind of the conclusion I've come to recently is like, um, well, while I, while I was in the gallery scene, my goal was like, okay, I know, um, not a lot of people are going to like make it you know to whatever the top is but like where you could just paint whatever you want right. and then you know at your leisure and make enough money to survive but like that's where i was kind of putting all my eggs in one basket i was like let's just try really fucking hard mm -hmm. and, and go all out um and you know, for a moment, it was like, it was kind of interesting. Well, A, the gallery scene's kind of interesting because there's like rumors floating around and there's like galleries stealing artists from yeah. each other. And like, <laughs> all that stuff's like, it's kind of intriguing. So I'm like learning all this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this place is crazy. <laughs> What's going yeah, yeah. On? And it's like, some, you know, some gallery people that run galleries are shady as hell. And then some are really cool. And it's like, you know, I feel like I know who the good people are now after all these years. You know, you know, mm. people have reputations and stuff. Yeah. It's like yeah. any other business. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. And so I was like, my goal at the time was like, you know, like, I'm just going to go really hard at this and, and take it as far as I can. But um, like I said, eventually I, I got really, really burned out. Um, and, you know, now I'm at this point where I'm like, I have years and years of all this work that i'm not making prints of that i'm not yeah. putting on anything and i should take advantage of that definitely and um so that's kind of where i'm at now yeah there's no there's no way there's no way you can't there's no way you can't uh make it doing prints and merch merchandise of your work there's no way your stuff is way too um cool you know it's like it's uh a lot more marketable than what i do and i and i'm making it work you know what i mean <laughs> so your stuff seems like it i mean it's yeah your stuff is awesome so it's, like it's, i imagine it just i appreciate it it up for sure yeah but it's it's very niche you know it's niche. It's yeah. like people that like dark monsters and horror stuff. Most people don't like that stuff. Most people <laughs> like beautiful, elegant women with sur the surreal edge, like you paint. You know what I mean? Your, your <laughs> stuff is it's 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 uh it's just more it's just more uh uh marketable, you know. And, and but but um, I mean, I guess uh now's a good time to get into the 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 art stuff that we were talking about. Cause it's like, I love, you know, your stuff has got, there's, I have so much to say about your work. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, listen for the rest of the yeah, show. <laughs> I'll just talk about you the rest of the show. Yeah, okay. But, uh, you know, anybody listening, if you haven't seen Eric's work, you'll go look at it and you'll be like, Oh yeah, he's right. It's like, you know, I, what I love about it, is that you aren't going full on like dark stuff like I do. Like I'm totally committed 
to going down this road of of the of this really dark stuff but your stuff has this edge to it you know where there's like someone who's into the dark stuff also can appreciate what you're doing even though you're not uh fully doing crazy dark stuff like me it's like you've got a weird there's like a weird I can't put it into words. It's like a, this weird, surreal kind of darkness to me to it, like a, like a mysterious quality. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, happy, upbeat. It's like there's there's like some kind of, you know, there's like some suffering there. You know, there's like it's it's not just it's it's more marketable than what I'm doing. More people would like it because it's not so obviously disturbing like a lot of the stuff I do, but it still has that that dark edge to it, I think, in my opinion, which is one of the reasons I appreciate it. Even if you didn't have that, I would still like it because the the um, technique is so beautiful and the stu- your, your work is just so just perfect, just perfect, perfect, you, you know, perfect, perfect, just Mm. so uh thanks dude it's it's it but do you agree do you have that edge to it oh yeah it's it's definitely perfect (laughs) (laughs) not about the perfect part you can't spend that much that many hours on something no i'm just kidding (laughs) uh no like when you when you said there was like some suffering in there like that that felt that felt right yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a dark. It's, um, it's it's like it, there's dark. There's a darkness there, but it's but it's subtle, you know. Mine's more like hit you over the head with it, but it's like totally a different trip. But yeah, I like that you have that kind of subtle. Even like the way that sometimes the characters, le- you know, legs or limbs are cut. Cut. Just it's yeah. like when I first saw that, I was like that fucker. It's like that is so cool. You know, I wish well, I, you know, like, I um, wish I would have thought of that because it's so weird and kind of disturbing, but also still works with kind of like the elegance and the and the line work and everything. I like that. P- part of the origins of that for me <clears throat> was um, I think it was like my junior year of high school. Um, me and my friends rent some cartoon at the local VHS place and uh I put it in and it's playing and you know at some point it was it was uh Fist of the North Star you know it's like my first kind of like ultra violent adult like animation okay people are just being sliced up there's (laughs) blood everywhere like guts are exploding and like that first scene when like this dude gets his arms chopped off like my jaw hit the floor and i was like that's what and i paused it i'm just like asking all my friends you guys seeing this this is fucking crazy you know and like you know i don't know how many times i've watched uh fist of the north star but like that was you know formative and then um and then Akira, you know, I'm like, oh, man. So, and I got into anime, like, a lot back then. Mm. And it definitely, like, you know, I think for the last, like, two years of high school, like, I was probably drawing the most disturbing stuff. Like, like, 
like if my teachers would have turned me in, like we're kind of worried about this kid. Like I would have got it. Like I'd be like, yeah, I, I understand that, but it's fine. Like, and so like I, yeah, that kind of manifested into some of my personal work where, um, yeah, you know, like like everyone, everyone is going to like suffer at some point. You're going to lose someone you love. You're yeah. going to get a shitty grade. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um. And, and so, yeah, that stuff, you know, just kind of presents itself. It's, and like, <clears throat> I don't know, like I'm, there's a lot of messed up shit in the world. So <laughs> the, uh, there's sadly, there's like a lot of content that I'm taking in that is like, it's dark in nature because our history is dark oh, yeah. and, and um, <clears throat> another throwback to like MySpace, when I first became introduced to you and your work, there was one post um, that you shared and it was uh, this documentary called Zeitgeist. Oh, and, yeah. mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, what's this? And, um, you know, I watched like the first five minutes and it was nothing but like bombs and explosions and death. <laughs> and then I stopped it. I was like, this is crazy. Like the music was like really heavy and it was just like destruction. And like I didn't watch it for like maybe, you know, three years. Mm. Um, and I I ended up watching the sequel first. Right. But um, and then I went back and I watched that that first movie. But um uh, the sequels, like I said, it like kind of like altered my life path in a in a major way. Mm. Like I just went on this trajectory that just shot out that way. Wow! And um, in what it, way? Becoming like more socially conscious? Or yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like I just started. You know, I was like um, watching these lectures and um, all these things that I thought were true or you know that like the u.s is the good guy oh, all right. the time mm -hmm. and human behavior is equals this and that um you know all these things i was just like just all these questions were coming up and it and um i think what it did for me was it just made me very curious mm. and um um and so it's just been like ever since then um i've <laughs> you know i i I hated school. Like it oh, was not too. fun for me. I hated it. <laughs> I did what I did to try and, um, you know, cause my mom, you know, again, with the work ethic, she was yeah. like, school is important. You got to do this. You got to get a good job. Yeah. You got to, you got to go be a doctor yeah. or a lawyer or whatever, or a priest. But you know, I'm none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I hated I hated high school. I didn't like junior high, like uh, because uh, learning learning back then was trash, and how people were taught was not interesting. And memorize was, memorization. Yeah, just rote memory. It was like um, there are like you know two moments in high school that like really stuck in my head as like interesting learning moments. But you know, after watching some of those those documentaries like i just became like curious about 
everything. And like, I never would have expected it. I'm like reading economic books. I'm like reading books about technology and behavior and biology. And I'm like, I'm just an artist, but like, I can't help myself. Like, rather be reading most of the time than doing a lot of the other stuff i I have to do i noticed you posting on facebook uh years ago what you were posting like more political stuff basically talking about the economy and how fucked everything was with you know capitalism and everything and so i i saw that i noticed that i was it's like i kind of uh i had my moment when I was pretty young, like when I, cause I got into uh, punk rock when I was like 18 or 19 and I was into dead Kennedys and stuff. And it's like, that's all left pol- politically bent. So I, I, you know, I was into all that Noam Chomsky and all that stuff like in the eighties. And, uh, and then I, I, during the nineties, I was raising my family and I just was kind of like, I can't deal with all this right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, I got kids now and I'm trying to make a yeah. living. And, um, yeah. and once they grew up, I, it's like, I got, I'm got back into it. You know, once I had my, some time back, I got back into it and, uh, um, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like, things are so fucked up to such a huge degree that I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's going to go the way it's going to go. And the best I can do really is throw my support behind the things that, that I think are good as they come up naturally. Cause there's some kind of like, I feel like there's some kind of natural energy flow in the way the world moves and the world events. It's like things just happen spontaneously, bad and good. You know, it's like somehow, and it's like, you sort of have to wait for the moment to be, to, to, to be part of something to, to make that change. You can't just stand on a street corner. You can, but it's pointless and go like, this is terrible. You know, you have to be doing it in that moment when the timing is like, you know what I mean? I feel I kind of agree with that, but then at the same time, some of like my kind of like intellectual heroes, um, like Chomsky or Howard Zinn, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a good one. You know, uh, whether I didn't discover these people until later in my life, like in my thirties, mm-hmm. and then you find out they'd spent the last fifty years, right, just doing whatever it is yeah, they yeah, yeah. do, and maybe nobody heard them. Mm-hmm. Then YouTube became a thing. Right. And then, like, you know, people become interested. It's like 2001, September 11th happens, yeah. right? And my life up to that point was graduate college, get job, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, try to be secure, meet woman (laughs) (laughs) maybe have a family yeah all the typical get a house and a car and then it was just repeat get a bigger house and then a nicer car and then and it was like those are the things i was told that's that's what life is that's how you do things in the united states right and then 9 11 happens and then everyone is going why do they hate us 
And like no one, no one, no one knew anything. Well, that, you know, some people knew. Right. Some people like, yeah, Chomsky or Howard Zinn or, you know, whoever. And um, I feel like that was one of those points in history, like maybe like what you're saying, it's like things present themselves and you can jump onto that. But I think a lot of people were made curious because they just didn't know what our government was doing around the world. So when people want to, you know, bomb our country and then people start asking, well, why do they hate us? And then the reason that we're given by our president at the time is, well, they hate us because of our freedoms. Right. (laughs) Some people, some people, that answer was good enough. And then some people were like, really? Mm -hmm. Like that's that it has nothing to do with natural resources. It has nothing to do with like control and, you know, geopolitical shit. Like it's just they don't like our freedoms. Yeah. And um, (laughs) it was like a world changing event. Right. You know, and then and then for me, it was like uh, those zeitgeist documentaries came out around 2000. Eight, I think something like that and I was getting into that and then 2000 2010 2011 it was like Occupy Wall Street right blew up and yep. everyone's like why are people so upset and right. it was like again it's this opportunity to like ask questions right, like right. dig in but that's whenever an, uh, okay that's an example of that Occupy Wall Street is that it just kind of happened you know and it's like yeah there was people behind the scenes always pushing that yeah, getting edu- to get people educated, but unless that's your purpose in life as like a, a an artist, a citizen, you know, it's you you kind of have to you support the things that you believe in, and you wait for that. You only do so much, kind of. You know, like I I I, yeah. I remember, you know, I had my protest days in the '90s during the Gulf War, and mm. and I remember going to these protests and and and. Uh, you know, I got some crazy stories about that. It was like I went to one in an anti-war protest and it, it was it, it was accidentally a pro-war po- protest. It was like the first time I went to no, I went to the OK, the first time we went to the, the pro-war protest accidentally as anti-war protesters. And it was all people that were like, yeah, America, number one. And there was two cops walking around and tons of people and the cops were like, you guys should probably leave. And we're like, okay, you we probably should leave. <laughs> so we, so oh, I mean, wow. we, st- we stayed for a while. It was, it was scary. It was scary. Cause they were like, people were like, there was a handful of protesters and people were getting their signs like torn down and almost getting into fights and stuff. And I had my kid with me cause I wow. brought him along to show him that stuff. And so we, we stayed for a while and then left. And then I went to the right one, you know, weeks later, the, the anti-war one and there was Mm -hmm. way less protesters way less people and 20 times as many cops tons of cops video cameras filming us cops on motorcycles across the street all in a row anyone that honked in support they would pull them over and give them a ticket wow cops in riot gear standing just like and the tension you could feel it and there was way less people so it was like that was such a that you know that was like kind of proof to me uh, that what i was 
learning about was actually true. It's like, you know, these, th- it's not the way you think it is, you know, cause yeah. it's the, the, Who are they the really worried about? Yeah. The difference couldn't be more stark going to those two protests. It was like, Whoa, this is pretty scary shit. Uh, That's like an, an interesting experiment because right. I, I wouldn't, normally go to like a pro-war i wouldn't either I mean, pro-war it's like it's fucking yeah. crazy but like now i'm kind of like curious i'm like <laughs> you, to disguise myself you could see it all on youtube that you know you could see, go to a trump rally and youtube oh yeah that's true i don't actually need to get... but, um yeah yeah so, yeah so, I, I i totally i get you i just i guess my point wasn't like i wasn't trying to say you shouldn't do anything and just wait. Mm-hmm. I, it's more because when I was younger, I was like, I got to do something. And it was like, you know, yeah, very yeah. more a sense of desperation. And then, uh, I don't know, 30 years later, it's more like, okay, you, you, you can't do, you can't, you, you can't do it unless you have a group, unless it's like time for the thing to happen. It's more of an esoteric way of looking at things, I suppose. It's like you kind of have to wait for the moment to happen, and mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's gonna go the way it's gonna go, sort of. Just like the way now, there's like we're in. There's two wars happening, two major wars, and it's like pff, fascism all over the country. Fascism all over the world is happening. You know, all these fascist leaders are rising up. It's like it's it's like this is what's happening right now. You know, and you yeah. gotta, and it's like you got to kind of like survive. Sometimes you just got to survive it because it won't last. Yeah. You know? It's like things go up and they go down and they go up and they go yeah. down. That's like the way of the world forever. You know? Yeah. If, for me, I feel like um, <clears throat> to tie it back into my art, maybe is like a lot of the work that I, I started making, like maybe in the, in the second half of like my gallery career um is more influenced by the stuff i was learning at the time Mm. and it is more esoteric because like you might not get the references except for like maybe a little bit of what the title is right um and then like if you happen to like know what i'm reading or listening to at the time yeah (laughs) but um it's just you know like in in 20 14 i think i was um i finished this painting called driverless and i had been reading all these books about um like the singularity type stuff if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. like yeah. ray kurzweil yeah exponential growth computing power all this stuff yeah and people were tying it into um automation driverless cars um unemployment technological unemployment stuff like that and um like so that's an example of like how my art started to reflect the things that i was interested in because the image that i painted it's just you know it's um a lady in the passenger seat of a car and her hair is kind of like blowing around in the wind Mm -hmm. but you know it's titled driverless so the assumption would be the car is driving itself yeah, yeah. and like things are just whatever. Um, but I wrote an, a blog post about it, you know, and I was connecting things like exponential growth and the singularity and to its effects on the economy and, you know, all that stuff. And um, 
and back then I started learning about basic income too. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this blog post and um, I was like, here's what I'm learning about. Here's what seems to be happening. Technology is getting better and better and better. And like, we're at this point in history where like shit's starting to get really fucking good. Like the computers are getting really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, potential solution, basic income. <laughs> and of course, like some of the first comments on that post, because, you know, maybe it's kind of risky and it's cool that like they like weren't checking what I was writing um, on that blog post. But like some of the first comments were like, you know, if I wanted to learn about some fucking political thing, I would have <laughs> went to a different blog. I'm just here to look at art, you know, shut the fuck up. And I was like, oh, wow. People are like, people are angry, you right. know, and like fast forward 10 years. Um, it's, it's been an interesting ride because um, A, right. Occupy Wall Street, <laughs> B, Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. uh, C, Andrew Yang, who mainstreamed the this this concept of exponential growth and technological unemployment and artificial intelligence, robotics, all these things making more and more of our jobs like unstable or obsolete. Right. And, um, you know, and then where we are today, where it's like, you know, you can go back a decade and I'm writing this article about artificial intelligence and its potential to produce imagery that that looks right. good and now like ai is um it's doing whatever it's doing you know and yeah. 10 years from now you know again like it's it's not linear growth it's it's exponential right. so it's things are ramping up things are doubling you know what will it do in 10 years what will it do in 20 well, or 40 years yeah. like a a lot. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's kind of part of ties into my idea that you can't really do anything about it until there's a moment because that's part of why people are going crazy. I think, because people are obviously are going crazy. It's like people are losing their shit all over, at least online, you know, and it's because everything is changing so fast that nobody can keep up with it. Nobody can anticipate what the next thing's going to be. Nobody, not even these people doing the AI. It's like, it's happening. It's the singularity. It's happening so fast that you can't hold on to anything for any kind of security that we, we used to have uh, as yeah. human beings. So it's like, you have to either be okay with letting go and 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 sort of like i hate you know trusting the universe or whatever and realizing i can't control this and there's not really anything to hold on to except my own values you know everything else is going to is changing so fast everything and it's going to keep yeah. speeding up it's going to keep speeding up so it's going to get more chaotic and weird and crazy but the thing is is like it puts everybody at a disadvantage. Like nobody's going to be able to predict it. Not even like, you know, the, the tech leaders, nobody, yeah. everyone's going to be like, nobody, nobody can predict shit now. Cause it's just going to be going faster and faster changes. Just like the, the, um, just like our al algorithms work on uh, like Instagram or social media. They the, like the people who made the algorithms don't even know how they work. 
You know, yeah. I, I was talking, There's, yeah. I was talking to someone who, or I heard in a talk, someone who, an artist who talked to someone who worked at Instagram that was quitting and she said she got him kind of drunk and he started like spilling his guts about working on social media and the algorithms. And, and he was like saying, we don't even know how the, how this stuff works now. It's like we set it in motion and we don't know how it's like doing its own thing. And we yeah. don't know what catches the algorithm until something catches the algorithm, which is totally crazy. My, totally my crazy. thing is like, so w one of the reasons that, um, that Zeitgeist uh, addendum is one of my favorite documentaries. Cause like it points out a problem and then it, gives you this potential solution mm -hmm. and it says okay critique this solution and make it better and so for not just artists but like for anyone experiencing these um these dramatic disruptions and in technological innovation um where we in the united states are having a certain experience but that's not the experience globally right so if you're an artist that lives in um, a developed country or like in Scandinavia, for example, they have some of the best universal healthcare systems. Right. They have some of the best, um, you know, public social uh, welfare policies. And so if you're dealing with exponential growth and disruption in Finland, your life is going to be way less stressful than if you're dealing with those right. same disruptions in the United States. That's true. And the point being that, um, sadly, you know, we live in the United States. I love the United States, but I want it to be better than it is. Right. And I think that means taking care of its citizens better. And, you know, and all these different studies, when you compare health well-being levels of inequality the u.s often ranks at the bottom yeah um and that doesn't have to be the case so if you have robots taking all the jobs if you have ai making artists obsolete in in some sense um even if it wasn't scraping images um how can you what policies would enable humans to thrive as our technology advances you know mm -hmm. um yeah. would a basic income help people feel more secure less stressed out would universal health care allow you to quit your job and try to work on your own because you're going to have health care whether yeah or not and these are all you things know, that, like, are, that are doable you know it's just yeah so like finding the political will you know yeah. pushing the leaders basically push it pushing the politicians, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't, I mean, that's kind of like, I, I feel like a, a sense of purpose ab about some of these things. Um, because like, okay. For example, you know, tying it back into my own artwork. One of my recent pieces is uh, titled critical path and it's a black and white pencil drawing. And the image is, um, like an iceberg floating in water and you know there's a face in the iceberg and above it is are these clouds and like 
the night sky. It's like the universe. Mm -hmm. And then it looks like you're entering warp drive from like Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And and the reflection on the bottom of that scene is instead of a like a face and the iceberg, it's a skull. And instead of oh. instead of a warp drive, it's like um, a nuclear explosion. That's cool. And so you can flip this piece upside down and uh, look yeah. at it either yeah, way. Yeah. So it's like very symmetrical. That's super cool. And it's like a, a talking about. Yeah, it's like a diamond motif. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it's like contained in a diamond. And what that piece is for me, I called it Critical Path because um, there's a book called Critical Path. It's mm -hmm. by Buckminster Fuller. He's this super yeah. well-known inventor, engineer dude. Futurist. And back, yeah. And so back in the 80s, you know, he was talking about we have the technology to allow all humans on the planet to live a life of luxury. It's so frustrating. It's crazy. And and so like that was like that was a nod to Buckminster Fuller. It's a nod to Jacques Fresco, all these like engineer, smart intellectual right. types who are like, how do we upgrade um our political economic system to allow people to thrive, especially when our when our technology is going faster and faster and faster, it could mean our lives get better and better right. and better. Yeah. But it doesn't because <laughs> our technology is outpacing our our governance. It's right. outpacing like our, our political structures. Yep. But that image is the top half is our potential. Yeah. It's our potential to maybe in a few hundred years reach some type of post scarcity Star Trek right. type existence. And the bottom half is basically Mad Max. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, this is see okay so to me this is well obviously this is how you do it this is how you as an artist does what you do while promoting this idea promoting you know helping this agenda to get out there in the world it's like this is this is the thing it's like you know you can do a disservice to the 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 um point that you're trying to make by being like too on the nose with political art you know if yeah. you, you know how it is if if you're too I don't like punching people in the face yeah, with the message yeah, but that, that, I can't help but be influenced right, and to try right, and express myself right yeah. but that's a, that that painting is a great example of um how you do political art i think because it's not beating you over the head with it and, and the information is there for those who want to go and like read the book, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. to learn about it. So you're like promoting this idea in a kind of uh, not in your face way. It's like sometimes being subtle about it is more powerful than, than beating people over the, the heads with it. And it also, the artwork works on multiple levels as well. You know what I mean? Because it's like you can look at that piece and it can mean that and it could mean, you know, uh, you could kind of take take the take it on a micro level uh, to the individual and, and relate it to like the, the individual uh, potential to which way they can go in, in their own lives. You know what I mean? It works on multiple yeah. levels because it's open. It's vague enough 
to be open to you multiple, can interpret yeah, it yeah yeah you can is, relate to it yeah, yeah yeah which is what makes art great you know i think that political those are my art, favorite art like my favorite art i can interpret right and 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 yeah and i think that's why i do what i do is because some of my favorite artists are like you look at this image and you go shit that's awesome and you're like wait you know like yeah <laughs> you might hear different people interpret it in different ways and like like it's cool yeah. you know like yeah yeah it's nice like you want to let the viewer relate to it in and however they they will like yeah i don't like punching people in the face with a message yeah. i mean i i do enough posting about that that's explicit yeah. like it doesn't <laughs> need to social be in media my <laughs> You know, yeah. So, so I just think that that's you know that's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Um, I've got a piece, a, a painting called Siamese Clowns, which is like two headed clown, uh, and uh, it's you wouldn't know it if I didn't point it out. But it's totally a political commentary. It's like at the left, the side on the left is has these certain features that mm -hmm. represent the left in the country and the the clown on the right it's like two clowns and the clown on the right has certain features like smoking a cigar and they just have different expressions the one on the left is kind of scared as the one on the right and the one on the right's kind of grim and mean looking and it's all got you know red and blue coloring in it and red white and blue as well with the faces and it's like that's if you look hard enough you can go yeah but but as you know i tell this to my students you know the the work should work your your work should work visually without anyone knowing the meaning it should still be a great painting and yeah. then the meaning if you have like a deeper meaning it's there for people who want to look deeper and that's the yeah. power because like when you see something and you're like man i love that painting and then like a year later you realize what it was about that's when that's when it makes you go oh man i got to read the book you yeah know what i mean and that's like a <laughs> powerful that's a really a way to powerfully uh um you know uh uh change a person's perspective or really you know have an impact on, on their life in that way you know what i mean heck yeah yeah i totally agree yeah um yeah you want to make good art first i feel like visually <laughs> it that's the, the that's the first thing it's, right. it's got to be interesting and engaging visually and then the content of the piece, um, you know, hopefully you'll pull the viewer in enough to like maybe want to ask questions. And right, exactly, maybe, you know, yeah, like I, I give hints of things with my titles. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then you can tell like, oh, what was Eric reading that year? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what kind of art was I making? Yeah. And never underestimate the power of a good title of a painting, too, because it's like, a t you know, a good title can really make a painting work. It's like it can activate a painting. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And, and and a lot of time, I mean, I've named things just stupid things in the past, especially early on when I didn't know what I was doing, and I was just like I need a, I need a name for this. It's going to show tomorrow. I'm gonna uh, you know some dumb name, but um, but uh, to me, titles are so important now. Like they they mean a lot, and they really can make a big difference to the success of the piece i think but i do i want to get before you know it's getting we're you know we're coming on like what time do we st 
we're at an hour and a half now. So I, oh, wow. I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to um, talk a little bit technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're cool with that, because totally. I want another thing I love about your work. We'll talk more about how great you are, is that as a painter, as a painter, you know, as, as someone in like the contemporary art scene, low, whatever you call it, pops, I don't, who knows what it's called now, but, um, it, you know, sir, as a, for me as an oil painter, <clears throat> you're encouraged. John Singer Sargent is like, or, or, uh, Richard Schmid. These guys are like held up as the, the best oil painters because they do the loose brush strokes. It's all about the economy of the brush stroke. And it looks messy when you look up close and you back up and it's, and it looks right. And <clears throat> which is great. You know, it's, it's a way to paint. That's great, yeah. but it doesn't have to be like that. It can be precise and tight in the way that your work is, or like Cam de Leon was always like this too. I, I don't know if you know Cam, but, but yeah, I, I, see, well, I know his work. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I see a definitely similarity between, hmm your guy's taste, I guess I could say just in, in that everything's that. pristine and, you know, done right. And so as a painter in the scene, I f feel like you guys, you and people like Cam as well. It was like, for me, it was like, Oh, okay. So I don't have to paint loose. I don't have to be loose. <laughs> it's okay to be like precise and uh, you know, uh, you know, not, I don't have to paint like Sergeant. I can paint clean and tight and, and it still is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you came out doing those paintings, to me, it was like, it, it was like, uh, you know, you giving, you know, it gives people permission to paint like that. Cause a lot of people, a lot of oil painters, especially get, you get, you get like, um, almost like pressure if you're not doing it. Like Jeremy Lipking is a good example of someone who does that loose, looser. I mean, he's he he gets kind of tight, but but you know that pa very painterly style. There's like pressure if you're a painter to paint like that. And I've always <laughs> I've always had it's hard for me to paint like that. And so I and and so it was like it was it was cool to see like like I said I felt like it was given giving permission to making me feel like, uh, oh, it's okay that I'm not super loose painter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's interesting. Cause, um, I mean, my favorite, my favorite, uh, artists were illustrators, right. You know, th throughout college is when I started to be exposed to more artists that, um, were really influential on what I was doing. And, you know, some of them were painterly and some of the, but like most of them were like pretty tight, you know, tech on the technical side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always love that. Um, yeah, you, yeah, I, I, saw I do it. like to you like okay. Waylon and yeah, John Jude Palantar. Palin John Jude Palantar. Yeah. Um, Those are guys was, I, I love too yeah, growing up. Yeah. Um, well, John lives in Ohio here. And so one of my professors was friends joe kovach uh um he had a huge influence on me um oh, cool in college he's friends with palancar so he brought him into class one day and no i was way. like blew my <laughs> mind right i'm like 
what this is he crazy. did all those awesome book covers man i, I still do love those things yeah and um you know i i feel like i was probably already going in this direction but like it was very like iconic imagery like yeah. I'm not normally trying to like paint like a crowd of people. <laughs> right, right. You know, for me, it's like this, this thing happening. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. one singular thing usually. Um, but yeah, I, I like having some loose aspects, but like I'm, I'm really happiest when I got a tiny brush in my hand. <laughs> just like I could do that forever. Same here, man. I'm, so, I'm so glad to hear that. Cause I was like that in effects too. I was like the D nobody liked to do pores and detail. Like that's, you know, most people just like to do like the broad strokes and, and they're more about the form, which is, you know, absolutely important in sculpture. But I was so into detailing. I love doing every pore at a time, you know, just like totally getting it perfect. And clean. Yeah, it's like meditation. Yeah, yeah completely. So I'm glad to hear that because I, I I love that also. I know you know I I, I have discussions with Gabe Leonard. I don't know if you know Gabe Leonard, but he's a painter. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's way he's he's the he's a guy that paints loose in a way. I wish I could paint loose, but you know that's he, the other thing. Like I always want to paint that way. And I'm just not that person. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's like you know we've discussed this on the podcast. Where, where we both admire each other's way of working and we both were like, man, I wish I could do that. And it's just like a grass is always greener type thing. Yeah, yeah, but, for but, sure. But I guess that was my, my point was, you know, you doing, you having, you know, you kind of showing, I don't want to blow too much smoke up your ass, but it's like, it felt like to me, you having the courage to do kind of more tight illustrative work in a gallery setting was good for people like me who naturally f painted like that but felt like i had to try and paint loose looser than hmm. i was you know what i mean and, and that's so interesting because like when i was looking at the scene from the outside um i must have just been looking at more of the kind of tightly rendering yeah, like Lori early is a good example she was doing, oh yeah also Amazing. doing it that way yeah yeah and so to hear you say that, I'm like, I'm, I was like following you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, I was doing what I was doing, what I'd already been doing in publishing and right. in my personal life, like with my personal pieces, you know, you just like what you like. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, yeah. That, I guess it's, it's sort of the, the difference is it's two different scenes, really. It's not that pop surrealism, whatever scene we're talking about, the contemporary scene is more accepting of, illustration e type art versus yeah. the more jeremy lipking Arca yeah. arcadia gallery you know they're more like traditional traditionalist type painters so i guess i don't know I, it's probably my just just me my own personal insecurities of, of uh, you know feeling like i should <laughs> be able to paint loose like that but yeah. yeah so so as far as your technique goes uh how are you doing this how are you doing these paintings? Yeah, you know, I I feel like I've probably written a number of like process oh, posts. And, um, and the basic, well, I was just going to go through like what I normally do is just outline my my basic process, which is, um, you know, really loose thumbnails, like 
super loose. That's your, um, that's your, your initial idea is a thumbnail. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Just get the idea out, basic composition and, you know, like maybe two by three inches. That way mm -hmm. you, you, you don't give yourself a chance to get caught up in the details. Right. And those remarkably, I mean, at least for me, if it looks good at that scale, when I blow it up, it totally. tends to work out. I agree. Um, and then, you know, I'm doing a refined drawing. I'm not getting photo reference at this point. I'm just trying to tighten things up a bit. Um, once I got things, you know, the figure where it's going to be, um, you know, like a, a value study, like some sense of where the light source is. I tend to go for like, you know, stronger light sources. Um, well, in a lot of my pieces, at least. But um, it, and once I get, you know, a few extra details in there, just tightening up my drawing, I'm asking someone to pose for me. And, uh, you know, obviously at that point, like on my drawing, it's like I kind of have a sense of what I want them to wear. I have a sense of where the lighting is. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, um, maybe I'm doing like a really rough, color study as well just to get a sense of like you know whatever go to the thrift store buy what you need dress them up um get them lit and take a ton of reference because uh it's always good to have information that you end up not needing then yeah. need it and then not then have to try and fudge it Definitely. and you know that that's going to be more important for someone like me who's trying to be more on the kind of realistic side um Right. But, you know, if you're like heavily stylized or like they have really, um, um, you're not rendering as much, maybe, maybe things are more flat. Maybe that stuff isn't as important. But if you're trying to be a little more realistic looking, I think photo reference is, is key. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, like, you know, when I do my final drawing, uh, it's on watercolor paper and I'll do some shading to show where like the core of shadow is any cast shadows and so the drawing is pretty tight at that point okay and from there on out it's just um thin layers of uh acrylic paint and i usually All start off with, paper yeah wow. and i usually start off doing some like like i'll get the whole paper um nice and wet and i'll do like some loose drippy wet on wet stuff just kind of like block things in a little bit and that's not and, no watercolors, just with acrylic? It's acrylic, but wow. the technique is very watercolor. Yeah, yeah. They definitely have a watercolor vibe to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's because I, I think it's because I grew up, like, um, painting with those, like, super cheap, like, prang watercolor sets. Mm -hmm. and, and I just spent so much time, like, messing with those. It was what I was comfortable with. and. Right. In college, when I had a chance to take some watercolor classes, I was like, oh, I'm going to try and get better at this. But then I realized, um, at least personally, there are things about watercolor that um, were hard for me. There were kind of like limits, like you can only do so many layers of watercolor and it, it'll start to get muddy or the paint will start to lift off the page. And one of the reasons I moved over to... Um, acrylic washes with the basic same technique is you know i can do 50 different layers but if i want to tone the whole thing yellow i don't have to worry about anything shifting around or getting yeah. muddy it's just going to be a nice even yeah. tone 
So no, um, no acrylic mediums. You're just kind of using acrylic and water. Just acrylic and water. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there, there is, you know, pros and cons. I feel like the pro is um, it's permanent. So when it dries, it's not going to, you know, move around or lift up. And one of the cons is in order to get, like, if you get a red watercolor paint, um, you can have a nice runny wash that's also really intense. It's a deep red and it's it's watery, mm -hmm. um, you know. But in order to have that same uh, viscosity, I guess, you know, like that, that same runniness, um, it's the intensity of the color. It's really reduced. So I end up having to do that wash like... 15 times instead of twice. Uh, okay. Interesting. Um, and so um, it's very time consuming there. You know, it's a slow build. Yeah. Uh, it works for me because when I make mistakes, they're really transparent, small mistakes. <laughs> and I can, I can it's easy to adjust enough. as I go. Um, but yeah. And so it's just a lot of thin, a lot of thin washes. Wow. So, uh, Travis Louie kind of paints like this, you know, Travis. Yeah. 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 I think he's, I he, saw... he's doing oh. re really thin, fine acrylic washes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his technique is like, cr yeah. Awesome. Crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So good. Um, yeah. I'm going to talk to my friend, Steve Clef. Do you know Steve Clef? I don't think so. He's cause he's a watercolor painter. And uh -huh. uh, he's really good. Um, you, you, I'm sure you dig his stuff, but you know, I'm always, he's, he's wa watercolor guy. And so I'm always like, anytime I hear any sort of watercolory things, I always ask him about it. Talk to him about it. Um, Is that, how do you spell his last name? I'll, uh, I'll look him up. C L E F F. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah, there's, there's not a lot of watercolor artists out there. I, I yeah, I was wondering. I thought that you might you were a watercolor artist. I, I guess I guess I kind of assumed that because your stuff has that look. But you really get that. I love you get that atmospheric, smoky feeling. You know, which which I guess is that tedious layers and layers kind of gives you that. It's so cool. It's so yeah. Cool. yeah, something I always liked about watercolors was. Um like the granulation you get this like speckly right. texture it's like this soft smooth thing um but yeah it's, and it's very transparent so you know when i do fuck up <laughs> it's really hard to fix <laughs> like fix it opaquely and then to try and make it blend in and look right. transparent you know it's like it, it kills me yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a slow it's a slow process for yeah, sure that's what i was gonna say it's like between the photo reference and the clothing you know it seems like making a single painting is a long process for you yeah it is um you know when i was in like my prime illustrator days um i was definitely a, a lot more efficient and, and more of a go-getter and but um you know i also worked in sizes that i think made sense for deadlines you know there was like more like 12 by 18 okay. versus 22 by 30 right. um it doesn't seem like a lot but going up to the 22 by 30 like doubles or triples the amount of hours it, it takes for me to finish a painting yeah, is that makes crazy sense. 
Yeah. And the last painting I did, I was like, it's kind of, you know, after getting burned out, I'm like, well, maybe part of it is like, it's too tedious. Like my technique is too tedious. And so like, let me try some oil paints. And so the last painting I did, it was like a really big piece. It was 44 by 50 inches. Damn, that's big. Yeah, it's the biggest painting That's, I've ever done. I don't done. think I've ever painted that big before. I think 36 I don't by 40 think is the do biggest it. I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked on it for like over four years. Oh my God. On and off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, it was just a painting in the background, and I would do a few other paintings, you know, uh, while I was working on that. Um, and that piece is at a gallery show now. Um, mm. But that was oil on canvas because I was like, I should give oils another try. Um, maybe I can speed things up or whatever. And, you know, the realization I had is like, I'm just a noodler. Yeah. I'm just a <laughs> tedious, <laughs> noodly painter. And I'm not like, everything is just a horrible grind in my head until <laughs> I pick up my small brush. And then I can just do that forever. Right. But when I'm like, the small brush usually happens a little in the beginning and then at the very end, but like, the 80% in the middle is just like this slow, slow buildup. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> but, but that's, you know what I like about that technique is that you have more control. You yeah. Know, you really, it's very controlled. It's very like slow and methodical and controlled, you know, for sure. It's, uh, it's very dependent on, um, you got to have a really good, uh, drawing yeah, underneath yeah, yeah. and that structure will hold everything together right and it, it goes well because you're just doing these thin transparent layers over a solid drawing right and so you're slowly building up skin tone slowly building up you know whatever and um yeah if you if you get the drawing like if for anyone who wants to try that technique i'd recommend you know not going too big <laughs> try seriously like try like a like a eight by 12 painting like you'd be surprised how much detail you can get in there do a really nice drawing and then just you know do some thin washes are you over your drawing what are you sealing the drawing with that first layer of acrylic it seals it oh really it doesn't yeah screw the the pencil nope, it's, oh. i mean and my pencil drawings are usually like i'd probably say like a a 2h to a a B or two B. So like maybe a two B would be as dark and as soft as I get. And um, it's always scary. Like when the paper is perfectly white. So the first thing I do after I get my drawing down is like, I mix um, a really nice thin wash that is kind of like in the whatever color, like overall color I'm aiming for. I'll just do a nice, really thin wash over the entire thing. Um, and that seals the drawing mm. and, and you know gets rid of all that pristine white so it kind of like helps me relax a little bit okay yeah that's cool um so when you're doing creating your reference do you do that in photoshop your photo reference and and stuff do you like mock it up in photoshop and yeah it and kind of draw in there you know to get it the way you want um yeah for sure like i'm, I'm usually like i said like a lot of the anatomy doesn't always make sense so i'm just piecing together my my uh figure photo reference in photoshop but um sometimes i'll do like i usually start off that way and then if i get confused in the middle 
of a painting, which happens often, like, should this, you know, should this be more red or should this be brighter? Or, you know, like, I, I just feel like I'm probably staring at it for too long and I'm kind of lost. And I'll do like a, you know, take a photo of my painting midway through, bring it into Photoshop yeah. and, and try and mess with it a little I, bit. I that that too, yeah. Yeah, I know cool. just enough Photoshop to get by, like, <laughs> not a technical person. <laughs> That's a great technique, though. I do that a lot bring it into Photoshop. Well, I get confused a lot, so it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I just, you know, I step back, I turn it upside down, yeah. I take a photo of it, I turn my phone upside yeah. down, I shake it, like I'm just trying to get fresh eyes. Turn it I'm always taking my stuff. I always go to the bathroom because there's a nice big mirror in there and I'll just hold it in the bathroom and mm -hmm. turn it around like what's missing. Right. And that usually helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, what was the other thing I wanted to ask you? Uh, uh, oh, do you, do you, how do you transfer your drawing to the, do you project it or, or do you do a grid? Or yeah, I, um, I usually, I, I start to save time because everyone hates transferring like details and, and maybe sometimes you just got to do that. But I, I started, um, after I get my photo reference, I'd blow up my thumbnail sketch because, you right. know, or, or the refined drawing because the composition is basically there. Right. And I'm, I'm distorting anatomy enough that, you know, if I, if, if this leg is super long or whatever, like, you know, like I want that energy um, uh, and, and distortion to be happening. So I blow up my, my thumbnail sketches or like I said, my uh, refined drawing and I'll use a light table to just very loosely just get the basic uh, gesture of of the piece and um, yeah, on a light table. And then, you know, five minutes tops to like transfer basic composition. And then I'll go in mm. on the watercolor paper and do my final drawing um, over top of the loose transfer, oh, just okay. the one. Interesting. So you're doing a lot of drawing on, on your painting before you start painting. Like you're putting a lot of effort into drawing. You're not just transferring. Yeah. yeah you're not the just transferring transfer, a bunch of lines. It's like you're just doing yeah. a basic transfer and then draw actually shading it. And so then I'm doing my final drawing just the once. Um, and, you know, the pro is you're not doing the same exact drawing twice, which, you know, it hurts your soul. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the con is if you make too many mistakes and you have to erase a lot, uh, if you're working on watercolor paper, you could damage the surface of the paper. Right. And then when you paint over it, it's, it's not going to look the way you want it to look. Right. So um, it helps, you know, again, if anyone wants to try this out, use a soft pencil when you're doing that final drawing. Um, because you are going to erase and then use a nice, soft, uh, clean kneaded eraser and then just be very mindful of the surface of your paper. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't press too hard. Do you have so a it's easier to erase. Right. Do you have a specific type of watercolor paper you like to use? Um, arches, uh, when I'm doing small pieces, like let's say, you know, 12 by 20 ish or 15 by 20, um, arches, watercolor paper cold press at 140 pounds. Okay. Um, if I'm doing a bigger painting, then, you know, like 22 by 30, which is like a full sheet, I'll do um, 
hot press at 300 pounds. Well, what's the and difference between hot press and cold press? Hot press is smoother. Cold press has more of a tooth. And okay. cold, press at a, cold press at the lighter weight, it's a more subtle texture. But cold okay. press at the heavier weight, it's like a really heavy tooth, like a heavy texture. And I personally, it's just, it's too much. Right. It's too much texture for me. So those two things I mentioned, um, hot press at 300 and cold press at 140, the textures are, they're kind of similar. Okay. But um, yeah, if you get cold press at 300, you'll get these really deep shadows and it, I just feel like it's too much for me. Right. That's so interesting. I like a little bit of, I like a little bit of tooth, but, but not too much. Okay. And then sometimes um, hot press at the lower weight, it sometimes it feels too slick. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever uh, tried doing oil on uh, Arches oil paper? Have you ever tried Arches oil paper? I have not. It's really cool. It's like, I tripped me out when I, when I found out about it. I didn't know it existed. It's like paper like thick paper that you could just paint oils. You don't have to gesso it or anything. Oh, uh, wait, it's, what's it called again? Arches. It's this Arches oil paper. As far as oil I know, paper. it's just one, yeah, one type. It tripped, cool. me, tripped me out though. It's great. It's great for doing little oil studies and stuff. You know, it's just, if you do uh, mess with oils more, you might like it. Cause it's an Arches. It's kind of similar probably to what you're painting on for your, for your acrylic stuff yeah that last oil painting i did um oh it 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 was uh learning oils so hard for me <laughs> like painting opaquely or even like semi-opaquely is excuse me um i am not used to mixing colors like that i'm, I'm always yeah. building something up transparently okay. so painting opaquely it was just it was torture but yeah. at the very end i was starting it was starting to click and it right. was like when you get into that flow state it was like oh this is fun like, yeah i could do this. yeah yeah once you figure it out it's it's super fun you might like the grisaille technique where you do the the black and white underpainting to the you, you do your painting and, then, and fit to the finished till it's finished and then all your colors are kind of glazed on top because mm. that's sort of how yeah, I learned. Like yeah, yeah. And and glazing in oils is so cool. It's so nice. It's so it just feels so good. Um use transparent paints or semi-opaque because you know there's different transparencies on the paints. And do you is that how you work? Uh or I used to not really anymore, but um because it, it takes longer. Uh, I still do sometimes and I, I will, I'll basically try and get everything uh, kind of direct painting as close as I can. And then if I want to shift colors of areas, I'll do glazing here and there, you know, like at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love glazing. I love glazing. It's, it's, it's so nice. It's, it's, especially in oils. It's really uh, great, but it's, it's a, really cool technique it's it reminds me of like you said of the way you do it because it's very controllable because when you when you do your underpainting you just worry about um um the values and getting the drawing <laughs> drawing right the painting right and you're not thinking about color at all and then you know then you can 
you know, it's, it's, you can, if you paint the, you know, if you get a good color, like they, they call it the dead, dead layer, which is kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the old masters used for the color combination, but it's like not black and white. It's like black or, or white and raw umber or right white and black and yellow ochre or something. So it's kind of, kind of a warmer mm -hmm. values. It's not because black and white, when you mix it, it's just very a cold gray, which is kind of yeah. ugly, but if you, you can kind of get this greenish underpainting, it's, it's really nice to, to glaze over. And then it's like, you let some of the underpainting show through. So you get like those weird greenish undertones coming through in the skin. It's really cool. It's really fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely want to try my hand at oils again. Like it was, um, I could see myself getting into that. It's fun. But the learning process was, it was so much for me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you I mean, that's why I had that painting on the, on the, on the wall for like four years. Cause it was like slowly, I didn't want to, um, have a deadline for myself. Right. It was just a personal piece. And I was like, I want to give this thing as much time as it needs to look the way I want right. it to look. Did you use a medium? Any mediums while you're yeah. linseed oil? Uh, linseed oil? oil. Linseed oil. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, so uh, where, where are you? What do you got going on now with your work? Would you have any shows happening or um, where are I'm, you at with it? Yeah, I'm I'm stepping away from shows again. I had a few shows recently, um, or I, not for me personally, like solo shows, but I, I had a few pieces in um, some shows. There was uh, Rock LaRue had like their 25th anniversary, oh, okay. um, and I had a piece in there. Um, uh, Corey Helford had like 40th anniversary for The Last Unicorn that I was invited to. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, seeing that cartoon as a kid was like pretty awesome. So that felt like a great opportunity. Um, that was the first show I'd shown in since taking time off. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, the most recent show is um, right now, actually, uh, at Arch Enemy Gallery. Oh. Is that big oil painting. That oh, I that's it. That's at the show that opened last friday yeah like a few weeks ago steve, yeah steve clef's in that show my friend steve clef i was talking okay. about he's got awesome. these five hex hexagonal little pieces i don't know if you cool. saw, saw him but uh well yeah, it's been like either it's that <laughs> my brain is like i'm having a brain part but um you know it might have been the show just before that or oh, okay or that show but it, i i dropped it off me and some friends and uh uh, you know, threw my painting in the back of a pickup truck, <laughs> drove over to uh, Philadelphia to drop that off. How long? It rained the entire way. Oh, it was man. crazy. How long is the drive? It's like seven and a half hours. Damn. Not too bad. It yeah. was a nice, it was, well, like I said, luckily the painting, we wrapped it up really good because it was like seven hours of rain. Oh my God. And it was just in the, in the back, you know, of the, <laughs> of the bed. So... <laughs> Wow. It, it arrived safely, but I was like really happy. It was like wrapped in plastic and then in a wooden box and then, and that was wrapped in plastic. Oh, there you go. That's how you got to do it. Yeah. So do you, you are, uh, 
do you have any plans for what's going on? Are you are you going to try oh, yeah. and, try and do prints and merch and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Um, I'm going to um, start applying to um, conventions and stuff, and you know, get a get a booth and try and try and move some prints. I want to see. I haven't tried printing anything on a on a, like a t-shirt or anything yet but i'm definitely interested in you know that and like pins and stuff mm -hmm. um i don't know how how many different types of things i'm going to work on but um currently i'm just like reformatting a bunch of my paintings to like 12 by 18 so i can like have some decent prints of stuff cool. and like that's kind of where i'm at now is just getting artist proofs checking the color stuff like that but yeah hopefully um I'll start to fill up my calendar with convention dates where, you know, I'll go and try my best and <laughs> hopefully sell some stuff. Yeah. You got to put them on your website too. You got to get your web, yeah. web shop happening. Yeah. That's the other thing I, I need to do. So I, you know, I got like a checklist of like sh shit I need to upgrade and just, you know, start going through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hit me up if you, if you need any help. Or advice because i've been doing web sales for 20 years now i think 15 that's awesome dude yeah i, I probably will something like that i can't do math long time <laughs> <laughs> long time Too hard. yeah i know where to get all the print boxes and the cardboard bat all the shipping supplies all the you know shopping car i know all that stuff so yeah that's perfect i've 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 been reaching out to a few people here and there who um, are doing like the convention circuit and just reading up everyone's blog posts or watching their, you know, how to videos that they've made it. It's super nice that everyone's been super helpful so far. Um, and I'm glad people are posting stuff online about their experiences because yeah. it's, it's definitely helpful. And I'm totally, I feel like a noob and it's <laughs> overwhelming because I'm trying to take in all this new information but it, it's starting to stick a little bit well just remember the perception is that you are some mysterious elite artist above everyone else <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best i have to like buy a, a tux or something when I go to the conventions and just stand on a ladder and look down at everybody yeah, or just don't show up or go in disguise and have someone else sell the work and the person could be out or you, you could wear a disguise and be like the artist won't won't go in the into public you know he doesn't go to the public i sell for him i'm his representative i like it <laughs> although it, yeah now everyone knows what i look like so yeah uh, you could do a wig and maybe the, the wig will totally <laughs> throw people off yeah well thanks so much for for coming on man that was super fun and uh i think there's lots of valuable knowledge for other artists because we have a lot of artists that listen to this podcast so i appreciate you coming yeah, it's, on it's been fun dude and um yeah thanks a lot for reaching out i really appreciate it oh yeah like i said i've been a huge fan been wanting to have you on for forever so uh so last thing we have to do is just say goodbye to the audience in some way so so i usually say goodbye audience and then the person being interviewed says goodbye in some way of their own so you go ahead peace